Hey, Coach Diaz, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You know, thanks for taking the time today. Let me just All lower right. that here. Hold on one second. How's everything? Some exciting Thank times going on. Thanks for taking uh, taking part of this interview. Yeah, it's been good. We actually just got uh, just got off the practice field. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Well, while we have everyone uh, logging on, I'm just going to do uh, a quick introduction for the few people who might not know who you are, but I'm assuming everyone does. Uh, coach Diaz is in, his, is in his second year as head coach of the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, he was the team's uh, defensive coordinator uh, from 2016 to 2018, uh, where he put them into elite defensive status. Uh, his resume is obviously very impressive. He's had a bunch of other programs that he's coached at, um, including Florida State, uh, NC State, Middle Tennessee, Mississippi State, Texas, and Louisiana Tech. Uh, he's coached in 18 bowl games, 13-5 uh, and five record uh, in those bowls, and he's coached numerous All-American uh, players, All-Conference, and obviously NFL players. Uh, very exciting year, off to a 3-0 start. Uh, big win over Florida State, uh, number eight in the rankings, coming up against number one Clemson. Uh, so obviously very exciting times, and it, it's great that you brought back a lot of the swagger and the you. So uh, welcome, and again, thanks for your time. Yeah, yeah, this is this is cool. So uh Excited to be here. Ah, well, wonderful. So tell me, tell me a little bit about, about the team's mentality right now. 3-0, top 10. Um, what's their mentality going into the bye week? How do you keep them focused on Clemson during the bye week? Well, if <laughs> the focus is really even before we get to Clemson, it's getting the opportunity to play Clemson. Um, if 2020 has taught us anything, it's that we have had to take this whole thing day by day. Um, and you can't worry about next Saturday if if uh, if we make the wrong choices, you know, today or yesterday or really all week. And um, so far this week, we have, we have done a good job um, because it's tough. You know, the, the the virus is relentless, and as you know, as we've seen, and we just want to have the opportunity to have all the guys. What, what we know is that this team, when we're all together, we do look like we're we you know a pretty good outfit. But um, but that threat to not have us all together exists every week. So we have really been trying to lock in and focus on, on each day. We kind of have a, a, a mantra around here about play the next play, which really just gets us to focus on what's ahead of us right now. And what we did yesterday really doesn't matter. And can't really worry about tomorrow until you, you get through just today. And, um, and that uh, our leadership has really taken a hold of that and, and done a good job uh, sort of staying focused on it. Got you. Now, you know, you know uh, talking about COVID, uh, obviously you've heard about the NFL games that have gotten canceled, a couple of college games. What are you guys doing to keep the team safe? What kind of testing, what kind of protocols do you guys have? Well, we test three days a week. Um, and we have, you know, I mean, it's, it's funny now we've been, we've been living with some of our protocols for so long. You just don't even really notice anymore. Um, but it's changed a lot of what we do. It's changed the ways that we meet, um, it's changed the way, you know, some of the ways that we practice, you know, some of the drills that we do. There's so many things that we um, we are just trying – we have figured – you know, we've looked at it like this. Obviously, football is a contact sport, right? And you can't prevent people being in close proximity with one another when we're practicing or playing football. In all other things that we do, we can prevent people being in close contact with one another, and we can wear masks. So whether that's wearing masks in meetings um, – in walkthroughs, anytime we have the opportunity to have a mask on, we have a mask on. Um, everything else that we do or we can't is socially distant. So if we're in the weight room, um, any you know, in, in the summertime when we were when we were 
get, doing conditioning drills. Everything was, was separate and smaller groups for people with, with, and we went well beyond six feet apart from one another. The ball is a ball, right? We got to play football eventually, and we have to understand that. But what we, we did some studies in the summertime and found out that people on a football field are actually not in as close contact with each other as you would think for, in terms of the amount of time. Um, and to that point, you know, like I said, uh, the, the credit goes to the players. You know, our, our administration has done a great job of presenting the protocols, but ultimately they have got to follow the rules, and they've done a nice job of doing that to this point. How many players have you had test positive? There have not been many. Uh, we don't talk in terms of specifics of the number, you know, but um, but we have not had many, and and that's been really encouraging, especially since the season started. Yeah. Um. And 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 we all know that you know Miami in the summertime, you know, our positivity rates were as high as anywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. And look, if 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 we'd have had high positivity rates, and I'm talking about high positivity rates, I'm talking about over five percent. If we'd have been over five percent, I'm not sure we'd have gotten this thing off the ground. Mm-hmm. So for our players to keep it where it was um, in that time you know, gave everybody confidence that they can do it because everybody was lining up and saying that they couldn't. Oh, college students, they can't make the right choices. They can't make the right decisions. And I got to give really the credit to, to Dr. Julio Frank, who, who, who insisted that it could be done. You know, he put the trust not just in us as a football program, but the entire student body that we could have, you know, on-campus instruction and learning this fall. And by all accounts on the UM dashboard, um, the, the entire greater unit community, it's, it's, it's been really good here. And we've seen the numbers in Dade County go down, down, down. Now, the threat, as we know, is because restrictions are going away. Mm-hmm. And so we have got to be still diligent because, you know, they're starting to open up all the things that were not open. And I'm not getting into whether that's right, wrong, or different, but it just it does provide a threat uh, to our guys that we've got to be aware of. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing leadership. You're, I mean, you're right. On, in terms of President Frank yourself keeping the team healthy keeping you guys practicing are you guys what about flying and accommodations is 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 it the same as before are you guys taking extra precautions when you travel and where your accommodations are yeah so there are some differences in in how we do that um we go to the hotel like for home games we go to the hotel earlier than we did in the past that's really the only time we can bubble up you know to use more of the nba term um when we fly, uh, we wear a mask the entire time when we're on the airplane. You know, we, we used to eat on the airplane. We don't eat on the airplane anymore. Um, and we, you know, we use high quality masks when we're on the airplane. On buses, we, we're more spread out. We have less people on a bus when we have a bus to and from the airport or from the stadium. So um, there's, there's different protocols in terms of who sits next to who on the bus and who sits next to who on the airplane predicated by um, – you know, what their contacts are. And so maybe the roommates when they live off campus or roommates at the dorm, those type things. So, and then obviously everything's different at the hotels now, the way that we eat our meals at the hotel, you know, we used to have buffet service. It's not, you can't have buffet service anymore. The hotels, they all have, they all have their protocols. Um, so it just, but I'll, I'll say this, it just shows you the great ability for our guys in, in 2020 to adapt, you yeah. know, because we, we've played three games now. And I don't think even now when our guys go to the hotel that they even notice, it's just, it just, it's become just part of what we live with and, and nobody, we all just move on. And I think that's, what's cool about what they've done. Got you. How do you keep your team grounded? I mean, everyone's talking about Miami, you know, the U is back. You guys are in the top 10. Obviously that can be very distracting to all these young players. What do you tell them as a coach to make sure they stay grounded, stay humble? Well, they remember what everybody was also saying three weeks ago, (laughs) which was either nothing or things that were not very nice. You know, they, 
and that's okay. Like we understand the way that the outside world is, but um, you know, we try to really focus our opinions on ourselves by, by internally, you know, and, and more than anything, what the film looks like um, we can win a game and not have a great performance. Um, you can ha- you can have a good performance on one side of the ball and have a player that did not have a great performance. So um, all we do when, when lose or draw is we come in the day afterwards and we, and we tell the truth to each other. You know, here's what, here's what the film looks like. Here are the things that we've got to correct. And the, the trick is when the outside world is, you know, patting you on the back, it is lo- easy to lose your edge at times. That's human nature. We all love, you know, to have positive things said about us. Um, and maybe you won't, you know, maybe that thing that kind of didn't cost you in a game, uh, you know, it's okay. And, and th- th- what good teams do and what great players do is they work on their weaknesses, you know, and it's fun. It's fun to know where you're strong. It's fun to have your strengths, but, but, but great players really want to, you know, that thing that bugs them in a game, they, they want to work hard to not have that happen again. And that's, and that comes from good leadership. We've, we've got better leadership on our team this year, you know, which hopefully does help keep us grounded. That's awesome. Um, so you frequently said this is your dream job. What, what exactly about this job? Why is it your dream? Obviously it's an amazing job, but obviously something hits deep with you. Well, this just goes back to, to the child that we all have in all of us. Right. And, you know, sitting, in the orange ball in the eighties, you know, and just being raised on Miami hurricane football. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, you, you still, you have to pinch yourself that, that you're actually the head coach, you know, and, and you see the coaches will say from time to time, you know, dream job. And, you know, usually you kind of take that with a grain of salt, but this is just different. Um, and then there's another part about this to me because I love this city and I love the people from the city. I love the high school football and the youth football down here, no matter where I've coached, even when I coached it, NC State, we, we had great success recruiting South Florida players up there to, to NC State or, or Middle Tennessee or anywhere else on my stops along the way. And I've just I've loved the um, the tenacity and the toughness um, that's really ingrained and in starting in youth football here in Dade, Broward, Palm Beach County. And um, and so to have the opportunity to coach a football team where the majority of our guys can be from here, it's just it, there's just as I've said this many times before, but our football team should reflect the community of South Florida. And, uh, and so, you know, that's, that's part of, of me and, 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 and the culture here that was created long before I, I obviously I got this job. So, you know, uh, it's always been a great team on defense ever since you took over back in 2016. I think everyone has been so shocked at how amazing this offense has been under Rhett Lashley. Talk a little bit about that transition with the new offensive coordinator. Obviously, De'Ara King is, you know, Heisman Trophy candidate. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, our offensive staff just feels like it's a better fit for for who we are at Miami. Um, and not just in terms of X's and O's, but just who they are as people. And I think our players, you know, from day one really bought into to, um, to some of the new faces we had in our staff. And then just the people on our team, you know, you mentioned Derek. It's it's not even just the talent and, and the things that you see on the field. It's just who they are off the field. I think that's really changed us more than anything. And um, and the, and the truth is, we're, we're we're really to be so much better than we are. Like like we're still learning how to really play in this offense. And same thing on defense. I mean, we're we're not nearly where 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 we are going to be. Um, but it has been fun. And and look, football we know, and in any sport the guy that touches the ball the most is the most important guy, right? And whether that's a guy that handles the ball in basketball, that's the pitcher in baseball. It's just, it's just, it's just what matters. Right. So um, obviously being able to bring a guy like Derek into our program. And I got to say this for a guy like Derek to, to choose Miami, 
you know, based off where we were in January, he didn't come here for the palm trees and the sunshine. I promise you, he he did see something. And and look, if you if you know this program for a long time, when Miami's had, really, you know, you, you see these these you know championship numbers behind me. Um, all those years, Miami had some special quarterbacks playing for him. You know, when when the quarterback position here at Miami has been shored up, um, Miami has been in the mix. And uh, and it's it's fun to have a guy like Derek that really everybody on the team believes that no matter where we go we have a chance to win. Yeah, I mean, he's been the heart and soul of the team, which I think people kind of take that for granted. Obviously, his numbers have been amazing. uh, But you say that he really is the heart and soul, not only of the offense, but also the defense. People rally around him. Is that that safe to say? Yeah, that is. Um, You know, Derek has an amazing way. He's not a, you know, you see like Hollywood movies and the quarterback, you know, gets up on a soapbox and makes a big speech. That's not really his deal, but he he just leads i mean he will speak up in front of the team but he just leads in a way where just in quiet moments he'll go find players and just and just go talk to them and it's just it's remarkable his ability to connect with everybody offensive linemen wide receivers defensive players everybody on the team and uh, so everybody believes in him you know yeah, and and, and such and a that, great addition yeah that 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 really matters yeah you know switching over to defense obviously jalen phillips has been an absolute beast on defense um, how did you guys lure him away from UCLA? Well, he had, he had put himself in the transfer portal and, um, and there was a couple of connections of people that we knew, uh, that knew of Jalen from in the recruiting process, um, and kind of put us on Jalen. And, and we did not really know what to expect to be quite honest with you, because he hadn't played football for, for a couple of various injury reasons for, for a while. And, and, um, came here his first year and, and was not even able to practice on our team last year. He could lift weights and, and train in the training room in the weight room, but couldn't practice. So we really got the, we got the 2020 spring and didn't quite really knew, know what we had. And, um, I tell you, Jalen came back and in training camp this August, I mean, he, he was as impressive as anybody we've had in the, in the five years we've been here. And I'm not talking about just again the production and, just his effort and his tenacity. Um, and when your best players on either side of the ball, but for sure on defense, when your best players want to be defined by their effort first, everybody else has to get in line. Right. Yeah. And because you can't say, well, I mean, obviously the guy looks like, you know, the guy looks like a, a Greek God and you can't just sit there and say, well, look at him running to the ball with all of his might and, and effort. How do I not do that? You know, and, and, and our best defenses at Miami in the last five years have had that they've, they've had, you know, great leadership from our big guys, especially up front. Um, I think we missed that a little bit a year ago, but uh, this year our defensive lines are in a much better job of, of leading with their effort, you know, and everybody else falls in line. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the defense has really come together. Obviously Bubba Bolden's been amazing. I mean, I could go on and on with Al Blades Jr. I mean, it's just a very cohesive unit um, staying on the defensive side, obviously, Arguably your best player, Greg Rossow, who was going to be a you know top ten NFL pick, um, he opted out. Obviously, you know his prerogative. How did that conversation go? He, he um, it was really quite simple because you know he called and and um, we had had conversations with him and because he was really back and forth on what he wanted to do and and he made his mind up and he said he said coach I said I'm gonna I'm gonna opt out and and, and basically we just said Greg we support you. You know, and, and uh, the first thing I told him, I said, make sure that in, th- in this year with so much of school being online, I said, Greg, the first thing you need to do is you need to enroll for as many classes as you can this semester because you need you're, you need to get as close to graduation as you can. You, it'll never be easier 
because he was going to, I think, Pensacola to train or somewhere. I said, it'll never be easier to, to get closer to your degree than it is now because you don't need to be in a classroom to, to get the credits that you need. And, um, and we said, Greg, I said, you're always going to be a hurricane. I don't want you to feel um, weird about coming around here. You know, it's just, this is, these are the, the rules of engagement. 2020 is an unpredictable year and everybody had to make the decisions that they made. So, um, so we'll always root for Greg. He's, he's such a, it, it would it would say something about you. It'd be hard to not like Greg or so. Like you, you have to be a little bit weird <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to, to find a problem with that guy because he's he's as nice of a guy as we have. Other than if you're an opposing quarterback. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk a little bit um, about the uh, turnover chain, um, <laughs> which I got here for myself. Um, so how did that start? Just give a little background. Who started the turnover chain? How much does your team feed off of it? Because it's impressive to see the energy that comes after a turnover. And how many teams have tried to kind of copy it, but it just, those fall short. Right. Well, we weren't the first ones to have, you know, a turnover prop. There were, there were schools in 2016 that had, were, were doing different things. And so going in 2016, we, we did a lot of really good things on defense. One thing we did not do really well was we didn't ter- force a lot of turnovers. And so that off season, we were like, well, what can we do for incentive, right? To try to, you know, get some more turnovers and, and we want to do something, but it had to be Miami. And, and, um, and I can't remember who we were all throwing out different ideas around. And somebody in the room was like, well, you know, what about a Cuban link? And half the room didn't know what a Cuban link was. I think they thought it was like a, a sausage, you know? <laughs> and, um, and then once we saw like a mock-up of what it could look like, it was like, oh, this is absolutely the thing it has to be. Now, the irony is we didn't see it until the day before the first game. When we played with Phil Cookman in the opener that year. Um, and we didn't even show the players um, the chain. And, and then it, and then it just happened that, well, actually we didn't get a turnover the first three quarters of that first game. I'm like, we bought this beautiful chain. No one knows about it. And it's not going to see the light of day. You know, it's, it's pretty depressing, but then it finally did. Malik Young was the first ever wearer of the turnover chain. And then it was just funny that year, that's the year we started off 10 and 0. It just kind of took on a life of its own. And, uh, and it has been fun. I do think to your point, um, it has been a thing that has spurred our team on with great energy. Um, it is a team thing. It's, it's not something where it, we, we celebrate together. We celebrate on our sideline. It's not a taunting thing to the other team. Um, and it's something that, you know, you just see it. Look, I, I went to the Super Bowl back in February, the Chiefs and the, and the Niners, and I'm walking around the stadium before the game. Half the freaking people there had a chain with either the Niners or the Chiefs logo on it, you know? And it's just like, this thing started here. And that's why people are always like, well, you guys going to keep doing the chain. It's like, we got the best thing in football. Why would we ever get rid of, of this tradition? So we try to change it up every year. Um, I, I, I like them all. I like this year's version, but, uh, but the big thing is our kids understand that turnovers win games. It's number one on our plan to win. It's a big deal. Um, now we, during the week, we don't ever talk about the turnover chain. No one ever sees it. It's not around. It, it vanishes. It goes away into its little secret hiding place and it just comes out on game days. That's awesome. And, you know, along those lines, you know, people talk about the U in football as being a culture. It's not just the quality of the team, but it's really a culture. And I think a lot of people kind of want to know a little bit about that. What, how would you summarize the U culture as the head coach? Like, what does that mean to you? Well, it means competition. I mean, that, that's really it. It's toughness and competition. And competition, you really can't truly have until you recruit to the point where everybody on the field is concerned about, what, about their, their starting place. That's just the reality. And that's what all the great Miami teams had in the past. They had guys that were, that were fierce competitors um, and had to prove themselves 
right out that window on Green Tree practice field. And if it didn't happen there, it wasn't going to happen in the Orange Bowl or on the road or, or wherever it was. But the reason why they looked the way they looked on Saturdays is because they knew that if they could survive on Green Tree, um, usually whatever's running out of that tunnel against them on Saturday wouldn't be as tough as what happened in that practice. We're not there yet, no matter what, what our ranking is and what our record is. We're still away for away from that. We're recruiting towards that, where you know no player can ever be complacent and feel like his his job is just assumed. We do have that at some positions, but not nearly enough. And that really is is the goal of our program is to continue to recruit guys that that want that. And so, I'll give you a great example, like our two young running backs. You know, Donald Trent Cheney was the best running back in Dade County. Jalen Knight was the best running back in Broward County. And and Donald Cheney uh, committed to us early, never wavered, which was awesome. Jalen Knighton was committed to another school, wanted to come to Miami, even though we had Donald Cheney. And Donald Cheney wanted him to come, and they wanted to play together because they wanted to push each other to make each other not just really good. They wanted to be great. And then, by the way, they have both pushed Cam Harris to be the best version of Cam Harris we've ever seen. That, to me, is what Miami had. You know, so you just see in that position room where it's like, hey, you have three guys that on any given play can go all the way. You've already seen that this year. And I think the reason why they're playing at a high level is because they have each other. You know, and if we can get that, at, at, you know, you know, I like the way we're recruiting. It's, it all starts with recruiting. And if we can c- continue to do that, um, that's really what builds the team the way that everybody remembers. So, you know, focusing on recruiting, you know, Florida has arguably the best high school football talent in the country, along with Texas, along with California. And over the last two decades, I think I think Miami's taken a lot of heat for not being able to capitalize on the local talent. It seems like you're changing that. People were commenting on local talent going to Alabama, going to LSU, you know, leaving the state in general. How have you kept that local talent? How are you more aggressive about keeping those people, just like you said, homegrown, best running back in, in Dade, best running back in Broward, how do you how do you keep that local talent? Well, first, recruiting is a relationship business, you know, and, and we did retool our recruiting department. And I, and I do think that has paid um, us some dividends. I think those guys are doing a great job and the staff um, who who you have on your staff. I think the changes that we made some on our staff, you know, haven't just helped us in terms of the football here in the building, but their connections as recruiters, I think, has definitely helped. Um, we will never bat a, you know. A thousand in terms of getting all the home talent to stay. There's too much of it, to be quite honest. And and the, the the important note here is that recruiting is not like what it was in the 80s and 90s. The game has changed. Um, I would say it's like it's like blockbuster video and Netflix. People are still watching movies at home, but the way they do it is dramatically different. Uh, the 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 national re- level of recruiting is not this is 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 in a different universe now than what it was. Uh, during those great Miami years, you could hide a player. Um, there were more secrets in recruiting back then uh, than there were now. The calendar was different. There were players where we were recruiting at NC State um, that no one ever really knew about, you know, that might commit to Miami the weekend before signing day. Now those guys are getting recruited for two and a half years. So recruiting has become a, a almost a three-year process, sophomore, junior, senior year. So it's a different, it's a different game than what it was um, back then. But it's still at its essence comes down to relationships and people and, um, and you got to have the right people. And then we got to put a product on the field that people want to come play for, you know, that's part of our, of our responsibility as well. And, and, and all, all of that is a process. If you look at the way that let's like, take Clemson, for example, if you look at the way that Clemson built their program and, and, and the years it took and how they stack recruiting classes on top of each other, they didn't get to where they got to um, on accident, but they often get there by just doing this. It just, it just, 
it takes steps and you can't skip a step uh, to get to where those type of programs are. And so you were talking about having those relationships with the pandemic. I mean, how has that changed recruiting, right? Flying people in, seeing campus, you know, visiting players. Uh, how has the pandemic affected recruiting this year? Well, dramatically, because it basically has taken all in-person face-to-face contact out of recruiting. Um, now, what it did do is that obviously we were, we were all introduced to technology, like what you, we're all doing right now or Zoom or um, FaceTime calls. And um, that's really where it all went. And, you know, sometimes you can, sometimes you can feel a personality coming through a screen. And um, so you you had to be good. You, you had to be good recruiting in, in this, in this format, because this is really all we have this year. And um, it'll be fascinating to see, you know, these, you know, this class and the 22 class five years from now and, and, and how, and how it all shakes down, because this is an, this is unlike any other time in, in, um, in NCAA history. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, now that you guys are, 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 you know, top 10, there's such an energy here in South Florida and also at UM. Just describe how important UM football is, not only to just the university, but really all of South Florida. I mean, it's just like you were saying, you know, growing up as a kid, it's such a staple of everyone's, you know, activities. Yeah. Well, you know, at our best, you know, UM is us. I mean, that, that's, I think that's why it is Miami's team. You know, I mean, I, I remember going up the, the great years with the Dolphins and, you know, I was at the game seven when the Marlins beat the Indians and we've had the great heat teams. But like when the Hurricanes were knocking down Oklahoma and Nebraska in the 80s, you know, those were Miami kids taking on everybody else, you know, and winning and winning championships. And that was, you know, we were still you got to really think we were young as a city at that time, as an identity, as a city. And that was like the first thing, like, wow, like we have the best of something. And that something is us. That was our most basic resource, which is our, our humans. I mean, just our, who we were, we were, we, our people were better than your people. And that was pretty cool. And, and that included, by the way, the people who filled the orange bowl, you know, when you came down for a big game, um, our people, when we all got together, that was a problem for whoever came down here. So I think that's why there's always been a little bit of that, of that affair with, with the Canes and, and, and with South Florida, because when we're doing things right and we're recruiting the way that we should, it, the, people should be seeing themselves in the way that we play. Absolutely. And, you know, so, so just like you said, I mean, the Canes were, you know, arguably the best team in college football, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, formed that reputation as arguably the best college program. How do you have your current players – you know, respect that tradition, understand that reputation, yet form their own identity. I feel like that's that can be tough, that they're not the old Canes. They're not the you from the 80s and 90s. They're the new you. And I know that you've coined that. I think the key is you have to respect how hard it is. I think that's the trick because in hindsight, right, when you look and you see the numbers and whatever, it feels like maybe it was easy. And Miami was a very rare program because it was, it, it you know, it appeared as if it came out of nowhere because even the 83 team with Schnellenberger was really, I mean, the ultimate of Cinderella stories, you know, and it's hard. It's really, really hard to build a program. And it's by the way, to win a national championship now, it's much, much harder. I mean, if you think about just in terms of what it takes now to, you got to win a a conference championship game at the end of the year. And now you've got to beat, you know, you have to win two games against in theory, two of the top four teams in the country. So Winning a national championship now is much more difficult. Now, some of those Miami teams in the past might have gotten into a playoff that they got 
you know, nudged out of, you know, back when only two teams really were playing for it. But uh, I think that's the whole point. I think it just respect how difficult it is and how much work it takes and just not, and not, not, not run from that, you know, and, 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 I, and our players on this team, they've done a good job of that so far. Yeah. Listen, we're going to wrap it up. I know you're super busy. All I can say is thank you for your time. Super exciting, uh, you know, time here in South Florida, you know, three and oh, top 10 Clemson coming up, obviously rooting for you. So we'll see you later. Okay, coach. Thanks for all you do. All right. Really yeah. Thanks. It. Thanks for having me on. This is fun. Okay. All right. Take care. Be well.